0: Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for multiplying disciples and churches everywhere. Today, we'll talk to Daniel Reese about No Place Left, Asheville and Charlotte, North Carolina.
1: I grew up uh, kind of you know, not in a bad home or anything, but just kind of a little bit rough. Um, A lot of drugs, partying, sort of thing like that. Eventually, I got a hold of something called glass, which is crystal meth, and we just really fell in love with that, my friends and I. um, It was at that, about 17, that I went to a football game, and I met someone. Um, I just said, hey, my name's Daniel. I think you're pretty. And she said, uh, um, basically, preached the gospel, said, I need God in my life. I need to repent. And that Jesus could transform my life, and no one had no one had ever confronted me with the gospel like that. Not a peer. I've been to churches before, but no one had ever individually confronted me with the gospel. And um, so you're just
0: saying it it took a pretty girl for God to get your attention.
1: You know the um, the the romance of the story always distracts people, Uh, (laughs) but uh, but yeah, it sure did, man. I. I, but, uh, but yeah, I man. the point I want to make is, is that there, there I was, uh, ready to, uh, by God's grace, anything that I've become, it, it's because it started right there. Someone uh, took a risk and shared the gospel with the guy that nobody wanted to share the gospel with, mm-hmm. and it worked. Wow. And, and so uh, she led me to faith, and she began to uh, tell me, still wouldn't date me, but began to tell me I needed to read the Bible for myself. And, um, and that's actually where I was, I really re- was born again, was in the process of reading, reading the scripture. And all I knew, I just couldn't believe that God would save me. And uh, immediately I just started begging God to let me see a uh, thousand people come to Jesus. And I, I sensed that he said yes to that and said 10,000 people, 100,000. And finally I said, Lord, give me a million people. And so in my life, uh, that's just kind of been that was just kind of on the back burner from early on, um, go for a million. And so I didn't know what to do. No one discipled me. No one trained me really uh, how to accomplish that. And, you know, you, you, you're saved, but you still have that youthful arrogance. I'm not sure that I would have listened to anyone anyway. I was very skeptical of leadership. Um, but in fact, that would, in hindsight, I think that served me well. Um, some of it was youthful arrogance. Some of it, was God was waiting for me to meet the right people before the spirit of God would very clearly tell me, uh, sit down, be quiet, listen, you're going to become like this person. Um, and that wouldn't be for years later, unfortunately, but, uh, um, so I, you know, I, I go off and just try to share the gospel. I was just very charismatic about it. Uh, I knew, I felt the Holy spirit. So I'd go up to people and I'd say, let me pray for you. Did you feel that? You know? Um, And uh, I just didn't know how to convey this message, Death, Barrel, Resurrection, uh, and and draw the net. No one taught me that. But, uh, yeah, I start, um, you know, go to Bible college. That's what you're supposed to do, they say. So off to Bible college I go and end up being youth pastor, outreach leader, and then finally the last seven years, uh, vocational uh, ministry has been uh, serving senior pastor of a, a church in Asheville. Okay. Now everyone's
0: gonna wanna know what happened
1: to the girl. And like I said, the romance always I sometimes I don't even say it was a girl because I uh the romance takes the takes up stages Jesus, you know it? <laughs> uh it is a beautiful story because uh I married her and she has borne me three girls.
0: Wow. Uh
1: Hannah, Selah, and Lydia. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so now you're a pastor. You've still got this call upon your life to see a million people come to Christ. Um, what happened next? How did you get into the whole movements thing?
1: Well, just lots of evangelism training. And learn. Uh, you know, if it was out there, I'd, I would learn it, and I would train others and expect others to do it as well. Uh, EE faith, et cetera, Way of the Master. I was really big into Way of the Master. It would take me eight weeks to train people in that. Uh, And at the end of it, uh, what they would learn is that I was good at evangelism. And I would still be out there pretty much alone doing evangelism, you know, two months later. Um, And so seeing people saved but not really seeing people mobilized. Then uh, finally began to kind of benefit from some of the – the the ideas about discipleship multiplication and just started trying to kind of figure it out on my own and um, you know leading people to Christ seeing some cool things happen with, with with people coming to Christ and forming groups but they were very dependent upon me um, today some of those groups still exist they're very life giving uh, you know um, healthy in terms of a place that uh, people can get good doctrine stuff like that the but that—that's all they are. They learned to depend on me, and uh, when I left, they didn't uh, multiply. So what—what what really messed me up was—I I never go to these like uh, pastoral meetings, associational meetings. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, some people like them. It's not—it's not my thing. I've gone to about three in my life, and so I'm praying. I've, I've done some trips to uh, Philippines and was training missionaries there. They said, come train us. You know more about ministry to Buddhists and Muslims than we do. I don't know that much about it. But they said, you know more than we do. Come train us and come train our missionaries. So I'm thinking, praying, God, how do I train these guys to minister to Muslims? I go to an associational meeting on a whim, and there's this man speaking there named Mike Shipman. And Mike just shares, I'm like, it's almost like no one's is no one hearing what this guy's saying. He shared for about three four minutes uh, some of the numbers about generations and stuff like that. And uh, I just grabbed a hold of his, um, uh, his uh, grabbed a hold of him at the end of that meeting, and I haven't let go of Mike since. Okay. I demanded that Mike uh, teach me. Uh, first, first, I had two questions for Mike Is this true, and is this biblical? and so uh, during his time in North Carolina that time he would spend time with me uh, and I became convinced then uh, began to to help me and train me a little bit online emails and so on uh, put me on the good resources and then finally going over there and spending about a month and uh, Steve it's true and it's biblical I mean mm-hmm. I think they they're at something like twenty thousand uh Muslim background believers that's just in I think that's really conservative because they don't keep track of other movements. They catalogs in other places, and um, so Mike you know, has
0: written. Uh, we've talked to Mike before on the podcast, so I'll I'll link to him on this page, and he's written a great book called Any Three by Mike Shipman. But what what was going on for you as you, as God brought you and Mike together? What was
1: changing in you? Well, right off the bat, the same questions that get pulled out and fired at me I'm firing at Mike uh, years ago um, so anyone can baptize so are these churches that are developing so quickly are they healthy um, so are they are these Muslims really you know um, repenting are they really born again or is this some kind of a hybrid movement how could it how could it move so quickly and yet have doctrinal purity um, can um, um, how do you how do you basically it, fundamentally at at the heart of it i think a lot of the the questions are under good undergirded by this question how do we stay in control mhm and um mike just continued just to refer back to scripture refer back to scripture almost like he'd heard those questions before and I, it, you know it was like uh it was like neo in the matrix just downloading uh it it, it took like maybe 10 minutes i'm like okay i'm convinced <laughs> wow because again a million I need a million to come to christ i need mm-hmm. I need the book of Acts mm-hmm. to come alive, and I wanted it so badly mm-hmm. um and so i think I think as people are asking us questions um it's in, it's important to recognize not not everyone's a critic, some people are asking ferocious questions, maybe even a little bit antagonistically because they're scared. They're about to jump in the boat with you and never look back. Mm-hmm. And so, um, graciously answered questions um, and referred me back to scripture.
0: So you you had this meeting with with Mike in the states, but then you needed to see it where he is in in Southeast Asia,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then you needed to know is there you know what what's is this biblical.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you needed a number of ways of seeing this. So once you'd shifted what how did things look different back home for
1: you in your ministry? Well, all the all of the principles I'd been shouting for a long time, you know, multiplication, people being saved, this then this then just kicked all that into high gear, but also it made it in my grasp, but it's no longer theoretical. It's like, um, Asheville's the new age mecca of the South, the homosexual, uh, kind of a a high point in this area. It's got San Francisco of the South. I began to really think about the demographic in Asheville as as people groups, and no longer um, thinking in terms of how many people, just can I lead to faith? But now I'm I'm looking for one person. Um, so for lack of better words, there's a there's a culture here that they look like um, they live in, in apocalyptic times. They're a little bit nomadic. They travel a lot, train hop and stuff like that. Um, and sometimes I I say that's the they refer to them as the grunge culture. Uh, and it's distinct from our our kind of a, a hippie culture. Um, and I, I just really have a big heart for them. A lot of them are musicians. So now no longer am I thinking, okay, how do I dress like them, become like them so I can lead them to Christ? Now I'm thinking, man, I just need one of these guys. Uh, same thing for homosexual community, same thing for new age community, uh, and so on. I'm, I'm really taking the person of peace strategy seriously. So
0: you're looking for the
1: insider
0: who you can reach and equip to reach their world. I am. And yes, that's right. Can you think of an example of when you found one of those insiders, and just tell us what that looked like?
1: Yeah. So I said, Mike, take me to the. You're a busy man. Take me to the least reached place, and just drop me off with a translator. If you can hang out with me, great. And and uh, by God's grace, the second group of people go up to share the gospel, and I just did it. At this point, it's all theoretical. I'm just doing what Mike's told me to do. Lead people to faith. That's that's no big. That's I've done that many times. That's no big deal. Um, but now it's right after they come to faith. Okay, now this is where everything's different. I'm going to go for immediate baptism and then I'm going to train them immediately to share the gospel and I'm going to expect them to gather as church. I'm going to expect them to reach their oikos. This is all like new territory for me two years ago. And that level of expectation. And so I I share, you know, hey, it's time to get baptized. Let's find water in this place. This will start a riot. I didn't really know that at the time, but I stand up and walk away. I said, "Let's find water." I stand up and start walking, and I look over my shoulder. And I said, "I'm just taking what Mike said seriously." I look over my shoulder, and these five guys are walking around. This is very, and this is very uh, uh, a little bit hostile area, and they're following. And they're Muslim pointing, village, isn't it? Yeah, they're pointing here, they're pointing there, they're pointing to public places that have water. Going, where do we find water? And uh, I find Mike, and Mike, I said, "Mike, look behind me. Look, where's water? Where's water?" And uh, he said, whoa, whoa, "Whoa, who saw you?" He starts asking security questions, but he he finally tells me, "I'm like," w-, he tells me, "Sit down." He said, "Did you tell them? Did you start teaching them the first lesson and how to share the gospel?" And I'm going, "Whoa!" Like I'm already counting the scoreboard here, and uh, this is uh, he's thinking next generation. In that moment, as I'm sharing with these guys, and then down at the baptism, uh, we're casting vision to them. Uh, looking up at the mountains and just telling them, man, your, your whole area is going to hell. It's on fire and watching these young men who, um, would really be probably life's going to be difficult for them if if they follow in obedience, just tearing up, looking at, looking at these mountains going, yes, you're right. We're the only people around here that know Jesus. We know this message. And, and it, we're kind of like, sorry, the way the trip was worked out, like I'm out of town. And, um, you're going to have to you're going have to take this gospel yourself. There's a real sense of um, it the responsibility that then lies on them. So after seeing these guys do that, um, the level of ex- expectation here, where the gospel uh, it, we're free to announce this message, the level of expectation is very high for me uh, to the point that I uh probably trouble people and offend people and lost lost my share of friends, deacons, church members, et cetera so uh, it, that's kind of the inception now a story uh a story from here uh going to a nail salon um holy Spirit lead us to some internationals that person of peace kind of internationals um, in this instance walk in there to share the gospel with this guy first person um, and it turns out he's already he's he's already come to the Lord in a uh a state nearby and moved here and just has a heart for jesus ex buddhist wife is wife is an ex ex-Buddhist from Vietnam and, um, begin to show him from his Vietnam, Vietnamese Bible, great commission, uh, and begin to train him. And we start a church there at his house. Uh, His mother-in-law is lost. So train him to share the gospel with his mother-in-law. He does that. And, uh, she comes to faith. And so, um, he says, Hey, you baptize her. I said, no, you, you have, you, you have to baptize her. Hmm. So he, um, he baptizes his mom in obedience to the Great Commission and it really developed his own identity as a as a church uh, planner himself. And his mom learns how to share. She goes back to Vietnam, and we've got reports now of two salvations in Vietnam because of that. And he's going back to Vietnam in a month or two. He wants me to go back with him and share with his whole village. And there again I'm telling him uh, – Thanks for the invitation, but, uh, you got this one, bro. so, uh, he's wanting to kick things up into high gear now in terms of, Hey, how do I train people to come to Christ as well? Um, another guy named, named, uh, I'll leave him unnamed, but he -hmm. had some trouble with, uh, demonic things and, uh, just a normal dude, just not totally normal guy, but had just had some real trouble with demonic things. And, um, just praying for him and sharing the gospel and a little bit of discipleship, and he, he experienced total and complete freedom from some things that had just troubled him um, most of his life. And so uh, immediately, this was this is going back like early on. As I'm as I'm teasing these things out uh, here, he goes he goes to his family and leads uh, like five of his family members to Christ. Fortunately, it was far enough away from the church where he didn't feel the need to bring them back to our church. He, he took responsibility, discipled them himself, and they they each of they ended up making it to a next generation as well. Um, a lot of the early stuff for me has fizzled out, or as I've developed rapidly, um, others have not been able to kind of keep the pace. Mm-hmm. And so. Early on, I was given less than rapid um, DNA, and things are changing so much in my own development that I think it became a little bit annoying to some of the first people that God gave me to disciple. And so what they saw was an ever-revolving, changing kind of thing. And um, so by God's grace, here we are two years now down the road. And I'm not going to say we've solidified some things, but... um, we have solidified some things, you know, and so it's a little bit more consistent, a little bit more user-friendly for the next Timothys that are coming along now.
0: Okay. So how are are things going now that you've been able to sort of lock in some, I guess, some basic practices and approaches?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I should mention Jeff too, um, because Mike and Jeff are probably the two people that really, um, you know, every time I see them, I, I, I let them know I appreciate them and thank you. They just—they'll never know how much they've meant to me. So that'd um, be Jeff Sundell. Jeff Sundell. Jeff yeah. Sundell came along after I got back from Indonesia and started practicing, trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, also, I'd read uh, this book called uh, "What Jesus Started" and picked up the manual in the back of that, and it was—I uh,
0: understand it's a very good book.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. And um, but. But then Jeff, I guess, um, Jeff basically just gave me simple tools on discipleship, hmm. and um, it really um, answered some basic questions, gave me, gave me some simple reproducible tools. And then, you know, it's been very generous in mentoring me and so on, a lot of, uh, been gracious enough to spend time with me. So um, my wife, Mike Shipman, and Jeff Sundell, i say say, uh, been huge uh, gifts. From God to help me along so where where are things now daniel what what place have you
0: come to in this
1: yeah, so today um i uh I'm not the best with uh record keeping, but last mm-hmm. time I was asked to do this um, this is what i this is what I remember documenting. We have, when we think about generations, uh, we think about people that are saved that we mobilize, and we would call that generation zero. Uh, people that come to Christ, we'd say that's like generation one. We think about like uh, generations like families and like um, kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, and really what we're aiming at is at least fourth generation, mm-hmm. and more than just fourth generation believer we're, we're aiming at fourth generation church. Um, and so, um, one of the things that's developed for us, and we, we've benefited from the, the, uh, growing and learning network, the no place left network and just benefit benefited a lot. It seems like we've kind of learned a lot of things, uh, the hard way and learned them together and, and then also learned from other people's challenges. But we came we came across the, um, uh, the reality that Jesus wants a church uh, a little late, later than, you know, I didn't start off aiming at church. Um, And so we've seen a lot of, um, I'm going to say a lot, but we've seen our share of fifth generation uh, disciples. That's one person who gets saved, who who leads another person to Christ, who leads another person to Christ, who leads another person to Christ, who leads another person to Christ. That's I mean you're you're touching the roof at that point you're mm. you're very excited this is this is a beautiful thing um but also I've seen that fizzle right out um and so um it almost it almost hurts me to tell those stories now because then I think oh but uh uh but John Doe and they're in the third generation the whole thing fell apart uh, he went back to drugs or or whatever um so we found out that, that I guess Jesus has been right all along. He said, I'll build my church, and that believers must gather in a community where they're uh, discipled and all the healthy functions of church are taking place, and we've got to get there quickly. Uh, otherwise, they're not going to sustain these kind of evangelistic movements, not going to sustain on its own. But, um, but yeah, last time we, we kind of documented things, there was, I, was, I was kind of mentoring about 18 people. At Generation Zero, Um, those people were then mentoring 90 people at Generation One, um, or that would be an example of Salvation's. Those people had 44 people that they were uh, mentoring, doing church with, and third generation had about 10 people, and then fourth generation again coming to church. We we have struck fourth, third generation groups and churches. We have not struck fourth generation. Uh, church, Um, and as I'm looking at this right now, frankly, I think things have, for us, have shrunk numerically, uh, but have gotten a little bit richer in terms of CPM, church plant movement DNA. In other words, I think there may be less people running with me now in the city than there were a year ago, but I think that they have their war paint on in a more sincere way. Mm. So Daniel, what else are you learning? Um, One of the things uh, we're really excited about is, is seeing people mobilized to the nations. Um, Big thing, again, it goes all the way back to day one for me with, with Lord saving me and calling me and, and is giving me a big heart for, uh, the nations, and um, we're just not at a place right now where the Lord's allowed us to be there full time. You and, and your so family, my my family and I, yeah. Mm. Uh, it's um, and so by God's grace, just just through um, training people to start movements, training people in simple tools, and, and a lot, helping them develop as trainers. Um, I was just looking at it a few days ago. We've been able to touch at least 10 or 11 countries, um, including um, there's a couple that are in the chute right now, about ready to be fired off to uh, uh, one to uh, South Asia, one to India, one to um, has a big heart for the Middle East. and um, And these aren't, you know, th- these aren't your short-term mission kind of people. These are these are people that know all the ingredients for movement and are very much committed to that, and uh, I think we'll stand the test of time and persevere in those contexts. So it's been really a great gift to us to actually realize we, we by God's grace and, and obeying um, principles of the kingdom, we can actually uh, re- touch the nations here. Uh, also, um I've learned to raise the bar of expectation as far as uh, people surrendering their life to to do that to kind of kind of leaving that out there like hey it's not just a a weird concept you could leave your job um, move somewhere and do this somewhere else uh, it's something that I'm cast vision for it's always out there you know um, we love everyone we train everyone we, we help everyone find where God's called them but uh, it's it's on our radar, and it's on the menu of things we're presenting to people. Um, the idea that you might move to a, another city, another country, and start a movement there. Um, just begin to, to cast vision for them like that. You know, everybody that – I should mention also Chuck Wood's been a huge a, instrumental to me. Everybody that's been a good mentor to me, I've walked away from them feeling like I could take over the world. Hmm. And that's become characteristic. That's become a characteristic I look for in a mentor. But it's also been something I ask uh, the Timothys that God would allow me to mentor: is, do you ever feel underestimated by me? Mm-hmm. Has there ever been a time where you felt like I was, I was kind of holding you back, or that I, I didn't realize what you were actually capable of? And so, I don't. I think it's a rule of thumb. I think there's exceptions to it, but in general, uh, one of the principles I, I try to live by is your Timothy should never should always feel overestimated by you. Mm-hmm. Now, so I ask myself is Jesus's disciples, did they always feel overestimated? No, there was a time when he had to say, "Get behind me, Satan." There's a time for correction and so on and, and and humbling them. But for the most part, I think characteristic of a of a of a good mentor is your Timothy's are like, "I don't know what you see in me, but I you, you think I can take over the world with, with movements, you know, and, and I I I don't know if you realize I'm really not capable of that." So, we need people like that in our life that just um, catch, see that flame, and begin to um, fan it. So yeah, you know, you never know what's in someone. You begin just to, just fan away and see what's what's in there. One couple that we're really uh, pumped about is uh, we started a church with a uh, this again. This is a youth pastor is mentoring the pastor and the the youth pastor and and uh, just kind of level one stuff really wasn't getting in anywhere beyond theory. And, um, this is another thing I've learned second or third meeting with a pastor must be a harvest meeting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if, by, if you've gone three meetings, just uh, theory, uh, we pastors are too good at talking theology and theory. And, and uh, you've just, you've just set the pace for the, the future of that mentoring relationship. So, uh, things were kind of getting right there. And I said, you know what, this will make a lot more sense if we just go out. Mm. And so, um, as I begin to take them out, the the youth pastor, particularly, is really taking off. Um, he benefited also, found some good podcasts. There was like this these podcasts online people were listening to about movements or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you heard about that? Yes, I have. There, there is a good one out yeah, there. So, so he's, he's he starts soaking things in from other places as well. But uh, take him out, begin to share, and and he say, you know if we're going to plant churches, you're going to have to see this model. Um, for better or for worse, when we have a family, we kind of reproduce that family that we came from, uh, but you can't develop church planters in a in a classroom and then expect them to go out and start something that's theoretical to them. So they're sitting around a living room, they're doing the Lord's Supper, and they're wondering, is this normal, is this weird? They're taking up an offering in a household, and they're going, uh, is this, this is like my grandma did it. Um, they're calling what they're doing church, and it just doesn't kind of come out of their mouth, right? Because they're, ah, is this really church? But we have to do church with church planners. We have to do the kind of church we want them to start. They said, "Hey, bro, let's start a church at your house," and you know everything, and and, and brought in some other practitioners that I've been working with that were really um, that basically brought brought the best fruit together and said, "Man, look, mm. this is what a team might look like for you." Um, and little did I know that God was using all that and had a call on this dear family's life, Matt Courtney, to uh right now they've moved up to minneapolis. uh I believe they're the the strategy coordinators for uh for Minneapolis. I think that they're going they're going to see movement and they're going to coordinate strategy there, uh but they also have a big heart for the nations too. I was talking to them last they're they're talking about um uh, you know um uh, the nations and and moving overseas as well. Um, but just hearing some beautiful stories from them weekly about what God is doing in there in Minneapolis. So one of the things I'm learning is, is be open to God raising up catalytic leaders that will go to other places. I'm all about no place left. Asheville. There's 60,000 people just in the city part that are lost, and we're looking to see... Um, 600 of these churches start that are reproducing. Um,
0: and how hard bad. has it been to get from new believers to church?
1: If that's what you're aiming at from the beginning, it's not very hard. Okay. Uh, especially, especially, you know, you said new believers in that question. Um, if it's new believers, it's not too hard. Um, we learned this from Steve Smith and um but that the newer the believer and the less time they have been in ministry is the kind of the continuum of best trainees. Mm. So yeah, new believers get into church not, not too hard. But we do have our share of people that um we lead to the Lord, we begin to disciple. And um, maybe you know we get pictures sometimes. Hey, look! I got baptized. I found a pastor and got baptized. Um, you know, um, they end up plugging into another church, and so they don't. They're doing this church, and you know that's uh, we consider that a win. I feel like we we gave a great gift to that church. Hmm.
0: Uh, but uh, can, you, can but, you give us a story of yeah um, where? There are have been some new believers who've been able to form a church. How did that unfold?
1: Yeah, and and um, okay. So right now, this is kind of fresh. Right now, there was a guy named. Um, well, first I met a guy named Dan, and Dan was uh, Dan was an older fellow, uh, a little bit a little bit upset at God. Had just had a loss in his life, uh, but. Um, really comes to the Lord and says, man, I want to use the last bit of my life for Jesus. Uh, became a real dear friend to me. Um, and then um, he helps me start a church at jail. And so, man, we're just really mobilizing these guys at jail and uh, filtering really hard. You know, hey, if you don't want to make disciples, this isn't for you. There's plenty of programs. You, you know, don't go to the J-dubs, but, you know, that's fine if you, if he, there's other places, but really getting the guys that are like, we're gonna share, we're gonna be unembarrassed to Jesus, we're gonna really do this, and uh, in that found a a guy who was really really ran hard, um, named Roberto. Uh, he's kind of fizzled out now, but before he fizzled out, uh, he led a guy named Ron to Christ. And Ron, my my my, I love Ron. He's he's got one year now of proven faithfulness. He's made lots of disciples. He's uh, started his own church. Uh, but he came out of jail and uh, led his wife to faith and taught her how to share. The very next day, she called from work, said, I led someone to faith. You know, she's, she does the blood work for people. She's doing blood work and just sharing the gospel with people. And uh, one of them came to faith, and she's just – she's more of an evangelist than him. We go out to uh, different places, and she'll knock on any door. Um, so he also led someone named Gino in jail, who's got out, and he baptized his wife and Gino. And they both are gathering to form church. Uh, now, this is kind of early development. Well, that's all we've
0: got time for today. Don't forget to check movements.net for links to Mike Shipman's book, Any Free, and for the link through to No Place Left USA.